Thank you, James. Well, it's a great pleasure for Annette and I to be here. Um, I've been an, um, an Anglican minister for 30 years, and in 2011 I left that, that um, position that I had had, and uh, we'd, we'd lived in the lower North Island, apart from some church planting in South America, um, for 30 years. And then uh, we had a kind of hiatus where Annette's father had come to live with us, and so we needed to take him to church at um, the church where his buddies were. And then we had, um, um, I, I was speaking all around the place because I started working with a, a, an AIDA organization called International Needs. And, um, but the thing that we loved was coming here. Our two children uh, were worshipping here, Pete and, and Gabe's. And uh, we used to come and we used to love being refreshed by this church. So it was in 2011, 2012, and then our friends, Bron and Phil, uh, were offered a little church that was no more than 20 people called Raumundi Beach Church, well, that's what it's called now, and we, they asked us to help them, so that was kind of the journey. But this place was a great place of refreshing. I always knew that there would be great worship here, and I loved the way Marty used to be able to move in, the, in what the Holy Spirit was doing. He had an incredible uh, gift to be able to discern what the Spirit was doing in, the, in our midst, and, and I found that really encouraging as well so so this place has been special and it's good to come back and to encourage so i just want to tell you my story and it kind of connects with um where i'm going to head so uh just my story of how i came to know jesus was that i'd been involved in church all my life um you know, I was taken by my parents, obviously, and then ended up at a church school where we had church three or four times a week. And uh, so I knew there was a God, but I'd never joined the dots and never found him. And I kind of started searching as to, you know, how to find God and, 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 and go in all sorts of directions. And then um, one day some young people from Wellington, I was living in Wanganui, it's my hometown, um, they came and told stories at my church about how they'd found Jesus, how they'd been in drugs and rock and roll and all, you know, all sorts of amazing, interesting lifestyles and followed other religions. And it was only when they found Jesus that they'd found a way forward in their life. And so for me, after I went and asked them all sorts of questions with some of my friends and you know, about evolution, about suffering, about the Trinity and all sorts of things I couldn't get my head around. And you know what? They, they left me... Um, with good answers. They weren't perfect answers, but they were good answers. And I realized I'd run out of excuses because somehow God was calling me into a relationship. And they pointed out that I needed, if I wanted to join the dots, I needed to confess my sins. I had to kind of do business with God because of what he'd done on the cross and to you know, really um, sort of name them and ask for forgiveness for them, to invite him to come into my life. And I remember uh, going to sleep that night thinking it was like an intellectual journey. I kind of got there. I knew somehow that, that I'd, um, I wouldn't be the same, but I was no longer wrestling with these big issues. The thing that I didn't realize was when I woke up in the morning, I was completely cleansed. Like I, 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 I was just new on the inside. I just felt that I was forgiven. I was clean. I was like... Um, I was brand new, and, and even my attitude to others had changed, and you know, the s- sky was blue, you know, all that sort of. It was just like night and day, and I realized that God had done something. I'd been born again, and it was such a, an amazing experience that 
I kind of began realizing that God didn't just love me. He loved the whole world. And uh, he wanted the whole world to get to know him. And that was a kind of journey that I've been on since that time because uh, of the transformation that happened in my heart. And the thing that... um, I just realized I've got a data show. Um, The the thing that... um, that hit me was just what God wants to do. There we go. I have to see through me. I'll just move out of the way. Um, was that God had so many good things for us. And, and I realized that the more I, I discovered of Jesus, the more I saw that, uh, that he's just so amazing. And, and not only that, because I think our, we live in such busy worlds that horizons are so limited, there's a whole world beyond, and that one day we're going to be in heaven. And when we get to heaven, I found this lovely picture of someone by the name of Kerilus Sawat, and it's their, their, their vision of what their first day in heaven's like. First of all, connecting with Jesus. There it is. Isn't that cool? Just that. And then I thought, you know, then you'd meet all the loved ones that had gone before who were there. And then I think you'd start looking around to find the people who had gone on before, obviously, um, who had helped you on the journey to find your faith, who'd gone out of their way to, to talk to you, who had gone out of their way to make a difference in your life, and you'd be grateful. And the thing I, I, I think we can't even begin to comprehend because of the tininess of our minds is that God has just this amazing um, world that we're going to encounter at some stage. He even says in Scripture, he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, what, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So there's a sense that um, we've got this amazing thing that's going to happen in the years to come when we go to be with the Lord, and that's our hope. And yet we live in a society that's been robbed of hope. And, and so, you know, oh, I can't convince you, but I don't think um, what God has for us is just so amazing. But it's also here and now that we can find. In fact, that prophetic word that came out this morning um, about the not yet, I kept thinking, oh, I could go home now because it's kind of what I'm sort of going to say. And uh, it was really just right to the heart of it. Um, and, and so the question I've got is, how come more people aren't believers? How, how come more people in New Zealand aren't believers? Because we've got such an amazing uh, story to tell about God's intervening in our lives and turning us around and moving us in a new direction. And what I discovered uh, as I was reading a book about a man who, who I'll, I'll share with you in a moment about him, but he basically said throughout the world, most people have lost their confidence um, in the how, the who, and the when, and what do you say of sharing our faith. It's, it's like um, it's been robbed of us, I don't know, by the evil one. We've just lost our confidence. But we have the only message that is going to transform lives. We have the only hope that's been ever given for the world. And so I want to introduce you to this, this man, Ying and Grace Kai. And he wrote a book with a guy who works for the, my 
organization I'm with called Steve Smith, and he planted a church planting movement that grew to 10, 000, uh, sorry, 10 million believers in 10 years. 10,000, 10 million. So the story behind Yinkai is this. And, and see, there's this church planting movement that's happening all around the world, and most people have no idea it's happening because it's a new move of God and it hasn't originated in the West. And God is moving. It's gone from zero to 73 million over the last 10 years. He was one of the initiators of it. He is one of the kind of movements called T for T, which if you're in on what's happening, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll share with it later. But the, um, the story is just amazing. So Yinkai, obviously, was a lot younger. He got sent to a restricted area in China. And he started hunting around for Christians. And he couldn't find any. It was, it was an area of millions and millions of people, 3,000 uh, 3, villages, just where he lived alone. And he, he anyway, he, he eventually found a little church uh, two or three hours into the country. And he went there and said, can I train you? Can I train you how to share Jesus? I have a fast way to introduce people to Jesus, he said. <laughs> and they said, we've never had anyone teach us or train us. He said, you're welcome. So the next week they turned up and there were 30 people there. And he, he taught them the, the how, the who, the when, and the what to say. And then he said, okay, during the week I want you to share your faith with other people. Well, out of the 30 people there, 11 people did. But one elderly man who was a farmer, he, um, he introduced 11 people to Jesus Christ. And this man, in 2001, so a number of years later, he planted 110 Bible study groups in one year. I mean, that's the kind of impact that he had. You see, some of you have the gift of an evangelist, and you're sitting there on your hands because God really wants you to be activated in that special gift. You know, there are people here who, um, who just get so excited when they, when they start talking with others about Jesus. And sometimes it's just that we've, we've just lost our confidence. We think the world out there isn't interested. Um, okay, so Yinkai just started teaching what he called T for T, trainers for trainers. That's why you've never heard of it, because you never become more than a trainer. And you never grow a bigger church than what you can fit into your living room. And then when your living room's full, you plant another church somewhere else. And that's the kind of um, world that it is. And it's not only now in China, but it's Africa and basically all the developing world. Iran is one of the fastest growing, what well, is the fastest growing church in the world. It's through training for trainers. Where my organization's there in Iran, and there's other organizations helping and encourage the church there. So that's the thing that's happening throughout the world. And, um, well, okay, so let me introduce. So, so this started, and it was in 10 years. It had grown to 10 million. It just went out of, went, went viral. Just people leading people, leading people, and churches and all that kind of planting. So let me introduce you to a church planted by the church is planted by a guy called Laku Naik. Okay, so if I could expand this, you'd see a person's name and the place where that person is. And this is Andhra Pradesh. And you'll even see his cell phone in the corner there. These are the churches that he has uh, overseen to see happen in the different villages. And it also, the other thing you'll see there is it's gone to the, some of the churches. So this is where they started up here. 
And now they've come down and the, I think the purple area down the bottom is the 17th generation from churches that have started from one church, one little house church. Now, I'm going to do an ad now. I'm taking a team to visit Laku's work, but not only to visit his work, but to plant some churches with him. And so we will join the dots, we you know, the dots on his diagram at the end of it. And what's happening is that as you go with one of their, their, their church leaders, they'll, who is a translator with you, you will share your faith. And um, in 2018, one of my friends, he, uh, he went and saw seven churches planted and his team led 293 people. Um, they became believers. So this is a kind of, uh, what do you call it, almost extreme of people coming to Christ in such amazing numbers that you have to say this is a move of God because it doesn't happen normally. And so this is the invitation I have to you. Come and see me after um, because I'm looking for a team uh, for the 9th to the 19th and for you to experience what the book of Acts was like. This is amazing stuff that God is doing. Not just there, but I mean, that's where we're at. So, so that's, that's what I want to encourage you about. And obviously there's that book, if you're really interested, to read A Discipleship Re-Revolution. Uh, it's the story of, of uh, his work and what God did. All right, moving on. So the gospel is pretty clear. Uh, Jesus, in, in four or five different places, gives a command we call the Great Commission. He says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the, the Greek there of the go into is literally as you go. So it's a kind of picture that, um, that Jesus had as, as us going about our daily life and looking for opportunities to share the, the hope we've got. And then it says whoever is, believes and is baptized will be saved. And the word baptized in the... Matthew version, is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's, there's a picture of us, you know, obviously the physical act of being baptized, but the word baptism means immerse. So it's immersing them in the love of God the Father, immersing them in the grace of Jesus the Son, immersing them in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a picture of us kind of um, being conduits of the love and the power of God as we operate out of an overflow in our own lives. And then it says, there's a little bit, some pieces that kind of get a bit... Anyway, it says, And then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And that's the thing that kind of blows you away when you're in a developing world situation, is that God turns up with signs and wonders. I was with our organization in, um, in Lebanon, and I was with a, um, a Syrian uh, a Muslim lady, and we, we actually were getting nowhere. We had a good debate with her, so to speak, with uh, someone who was on my team. And I thought, well, I haven't come this way just to debate with someone. I said, what, what is it that would convince you that Jesus Christ is Lord? And her husband had been put in jail for working illegally. You know, all the Syrian refugees are given UN allowances, which just aren't enough to survive. And so they try and get some work on the side to be able to supplement their income. And he was in jail. So she said, if my husband got out of jail, I'd take Jesus seriously. 
So I said, can I pray? I, I knew I'd never see her again, so I <laughs> put a faith here. <laughs> so I said, can, can I, so I said, can I pray in Jesus' name about your husband? She said, yes, that's fine. So I prayed and I said, Lord, you know this lady's heart, but you also know that she'll take you seriously if you saw her husband set free. And so we went. Our next day, we got a phone call to the translator. You, you wouldn't believe it, but my husband's out of jail. So that's the amazing thing, isn't it? You know, you see that kind of thing, you know. And, and, and then another place, we, uh, we got invited because one, two ladies had come to Christ, a wife and a daughter. And, and, you know, as we were sitting around outside, there was this huge sort of gathering of relatives, all Syrian refugees, and we were getting, oh, again, I kept saying, God, I haven't come this way, spent all this money just to talk about the weather or whatever. Um, so I, I went off um, and left the group because there was a few other people with me, and I saw this cross, and, um, uh, and uh, there was, it was not far from where they lived. And I said, you guys are living under the cross. Can I ask you one question? In my Bible, it says that Jesus said he would draw people to himself, those who, who look to the cross, the empty cross, and you guys are looking to the empty cross on a daily basis. Do any of you feel drawn to Jesus? Anyway, one young guy put his hand up and said, I'm researching Christianity on the internet. Two elderly people, the, the grandparents, uh, were saying, our son has been attending a Baptist church in, in Beirut. I think it was Beirut. And he says, he rings us up every night and tells us what they learnt that day. And we went round the group, there's about 10 people, and every single one of them was thinking about Christianity. These are Muslims, you know, right miles away. So that's the amazing thing, is that we think in our heads, and that's my problem in New Zealand, we think that people aren't interested. And even the people we were working with, the, um, the Christian community, they didn't think the Muslims were all that interested either. You see, there's this whole dimension that starts happening when you're overseas and you start saying, well, I haven't come this way to eat my lunch. I've come here to, you know, and so you actually uh, tune in. And so uh, God's been speaking to me because I have a lot of faith when I'm in Lebanon and all these kind of places in Jordan where I was last year. But what about New Zealand? And um, I, um, I hadn't realized in my own heart how far I'd shifted that I actually have to confess, I, don't, I thought a lot of most New Zealanders weren't interested. And so I never really made much of an effort. And as I mentioned, I was working for an aid organisation, and I was always so busy that I kind of craved time on my own. I, I never craved sharing my faith with anyone. I just wanted space. I was working 70 hours a week, and I don't know, probably like some of you guys, and... Um, and, and really, I didn't have a lot of time to give if someone was interested and I needed to journey with them. So, so what I saw is that I had drifted spiritually. And two things happened um, that kind of brought me back just with a Holy Spirit conviction. One was my neighbor uh, was dying. Um, and he was my friend, but he'd, he'd already told me what he thought of God because he, was, he didn't think God should let suffering happen, especially to him. And, um, and so, so anyway, the Christians where I live, they said, Graydon, it's your job, you're his mate, you need to lead him to Christ before he dies. And I honestly thought, but he's already told me to get, get off. Um, and I, so I, I went and saw him and said, look, you know, you're going on a journey and you're not really prepared. Can I journey with you and talk to you something of my faith? And he said, yes. And then he would argue most days and 
and I'd have to go and say, oh, I'm going to get out of here. Um, I will research this and come back, and I will continue the discussion tomorrow. That's what I used to say is my... And I would, because he, he was not uh, he, without reason. He did a lot of research himself to argue with me. But towards the end, all he wanted to do was um, talk about faith and hope, and, and, um, and, and we would read scripture to him. And I remember Annette's last words to him just before he died. He said, Alan, says, um, he says in the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He says, it's up to you now. The second thing that happened to me, which um, really upset me, because I, I didn't realize how far I had drifted as a Christian away from the centrality of the faith that I have to, that I need to share with others, you know, the, the command of Scripture to go into all the world. And I, you're talking to a guy who's been involved in missions all his life. I mean, I, I, when I ran my church in... in um, I've been a missionary for three years in Uruguay, and then I ran a mission organization out of the church that I was in, which put a, um, a hundred missions out onto the field, and then worked for this mission agency. So you, on the surface, I looked like I was an evangelical, on-fire Christian, but in my heart, I drifted away, saying there's just so little hope for some reason. And, and so the thing that happened was I was, I was um, going to the organization I um, the, the parent organization in Texas, and I was on my way back to the airport, and we popped in to buy something, and a lady had this um, tattooed wedding ring. And my friend said, is this a new way of getting married, getting a tattooed wedding ring? And she said, no, 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 it's to remind me never to get married again. And my friend immediately responded, you know, there was a time in my life where nothing came together Everything fell apart. And I met some friends who introduced me to Jesus. And I need to tell you that my life has been utterly transformed since that moment. And then he said to her, do you have a story like that? And she was quiet for a moment. She said, no, no, but I'm working on it. And, and it hit me that all I had in my heart at that time was, was empathy to offer her. And not the hope that Jesus gives. And so that's been on a whole journey in my life to come back to what I believe is the center of, of um, my faith. The faith that I discovered when I first became a believer. That I was so happy to share with anyone or everyone. I was probably a pain in the neck to some people. I know my parents had to speak to me <laughs> about being overzealous in the family. Um, but... But there was a side of me that I just knew that I'd found the answer. So God has kind of been, in his graciousness, has brought me back to center and saying, this is the heart of things. And so, yeah, so, so the thing, yeah, the scripture says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Always being ready. So I, I just want to, I suppose, challenge you now to start thinking, um, who did you last introduce to Jesus? Do you know how? Are you confident on what to say? Do you know who to say it to? All those kind of basic questions because it's just so important. And it's not easy. This Yin Kai, 
you know, he just, um, he just said, I have a fast way to introduce people to Jesus. I mean, there is a, a simplicity because you've got the power of your, your own story, which is so powerful if you know how to share it. And then the, you need a simple way of introducing people to help them out of their brokenness. And if you can find those things, then you have something to offer people. So I think in the way, if I go to the next slide, this is a picture I'll just take you through. Because I think people need to know that God's design here was that we would live in, in, in communion with him, with a, an amazing relationship with with, with him and, uh, and know an abundant life. And then, for some reason, humankind decided to go its own way. And you don't break God's laws, they break you. You work it out, you, you'll find that out. And then you spend the rest of your life trying to find your way out of brokenness. Some people never do. They use drugs, they use success, they use wealth, they use power. They use e- everything under the sun. There's an 11 million... $11 billion industry just on self-help books to, for people trying to find a way out of whatever it is that's broken in their life. That's the reality. There isn't any real answers. It's, and the fact is that we have a loving God who saw the brokenness of the world and by his Holy Spirit, he, he, he made a decision to send his son to live and then to die that we might know forgiveness of sins and that call to surrender and believe and I think that's the, uh, what people don't know now there was a time when people when I, uh, I think in the 70s people knew the way to God the way to Jesus because there was Billy Graham and all these it was, it was very it was in your face people knew the gospel now they don't even know that there is a Jesus and what he's done on the cross they're just kind of ignorant of, of, of the incredible love of God and then, as we obviously, as we find our, our way with Jesus, we grow and we find that design that was created for us in the very, very beginning. And then he calls us to go back into brokenness and to share the hope that we've found in Jesus. So, so people need to know that God's got a rescue plan, don't they? And, and if you haven't been kind of introducing people you know, in the last year or so to Jesus, you've probably drifted like me away from the center of your faith. And I, I'd like to suggest even today that God is calling you back into a, um, a new place and for power that God might use you to bring people to him. The other thing that's happening... No, there mustn't be another... Anyway... There was supposed to be a slide there. Um, and it says that, that um, on Wednesday we're doing a, a course on, on how to share your faith. Firstly, how to, how to share your testimony and then how to, the, the following Wednesday here at, at Capital Vineyard, how to, do the, how to uh, introduce people using uh, that three circles, which is, called, which is a method to help people out of their brokenness and with a relationship with Jesus. So... I just want to encourage you, particularly depending on where you're at with God. Um, if you haven't been sharing your faith, maybe right now is a time to do some business with God. Right now is a time to, to say, God, I really want to be used by you. I, I, I want to be used in such a way that I can bring people into a, a living relationship. Because I've got people who need the hope that I've found. Give me an opportunity to share the faith. 
And sometimes there's some basic ways to, um, to share your faith. And that's why uh, coming to a short course on how to share your faith and then to be challenged to go and do it, um, you'll be amazed at how God will open some doors and you'll go on a Holy Spirit journey that is just as exciting as it would be if you were in India, in New Zealand, because the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you in the same kind of ways. And that's the journey he wants us all to go on. So let's pray. Maybe you could stand. I just want to pray particularly for any of the, any of the people gathered here who haven't prayed with anyone or haven't shared the hope that they had um, that you Holy Spirit would just start touching them right now with a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit Lord that you would you would kind of bring them back into center of where it's at to follow you Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord that you would bring them into that place where they say here am I use me Lord I would really love to share something of the hope that I have so, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and we just say that, that, that we're all on journeys, but you call us back into the center at times of where we're meant to be, to love and to go. They were the two commands you gave us. And so we, we come back to that first command to go into all the world. Lord, you call us because you want to enable us. You want us to experience your power. You want us to, to experience answered prayer as we pray for people who are, are in desperate need of hope. So we, we bring ourselves now, Lord Jesus, and we just pray by your Holy Spirit, have your way. Well, I just, I just sense that there are people who are feeling this desire to be used and just sort of realizing that they have shifted like, like I had um, away from the center. So I, I just want to invite anyone who'd like prayer for a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in the world. You know, and particularly if you haven't shared your faith recently, that this may be a time where you kind of bring yourself back into center and then we pray for the empower. Because he said you will receive power to go into all the world. That's what Acts 1.8 is all about. That there was first of all an impartation of power, then there was the sending. And there's also people I believe here that have never joined all the dots who are kind of thinking that they need to, um, to, to kind of make it public that they are a follower of Jesus Christ, that they realize that even as we've looked at that diagram before, there it is, <laughs> um, that, that there is something that they need to do even today. So I just want to invite anyone who needs prayer in that area. We would love to pray for you. It's a privilege to pray for you. If you have never gone across that kind of chasm, so to speak, of, of knowing about God to knowing him personally. We would love to show you how to get there. So, come. <laughs> those who want to be used, those who are feeling a challenge of their spirit to kind of get an alignment, and we'd love to pray.